0: I just, uh, I just, I love you and I appreciate um, your joining us here on Mornings with Carmen each and every day. This is the second hour of uh, the program on the 4th of February. I led off the first hour by praying for our listeners, praying for you um, from chapter 3 of Ephesians, and one of you bounced back with a prayer from Ephesians chapter 1 um, that you have just prayed for me. And so let me just say thank you. Um, and I'll just echo that back to, um, to each and every one of you. So this is Paul's prayer in chapter one of, uh, of his letter to the church at Ephesus and um, by extension to the church today. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. How are you praying today for fellow believers? The apostle Paul prayed in this way, and we pray for one another in this way today. Um, we we echo the prayers of Paul in our prayers for one another because we love one another. Um, As Christ loved the church, and as he calls us to love one another who love him, I mean, we are knit together. We are the family of faith. We are now all in the same family tree. Um, And so let us be asking God. Let us be asking the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us be asking him to give one another the spirit of wisdom and revelation in order that we each and all may know him better. And let us be praying that one another's eyes, uh, the eyes of our hearts, might be enlightened. For what purpose? In order that we might know the hope to which we have been called. I just—it's um, incomparably great, and it is—it is offered to us. The incomparably great power of God is offered to us who believe. So that's, uh, that's my prayer for you this morning. Thank you for praying it for me as well. Where in the word are you today? Not just where are you in terms of chapter and verse, although that is from chapters one and three of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. So where in the word are you today? But where are you in Christ, who is the living word of God? Where are you in Christ? Um, and in Christ, together, we are the church. We are the body of believers in the world today. Uh, designed and called to bear witness to him. So let us do so today in faithfulness, relying on his incomparably great power. All right, next up, I've got Dr. David Stevens from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. He and I are going to talk about the coronavirus. Uh, We're going to have an update on that. And then I'm going to ask him to recap for us a recent trip that he took overseas and what he's just seeing globally. So it's a little bit of the state of the world on this State of the Union Tuesday. We'll be right back.
2: My eyes have seen
0: joining me now, Dr. David Stevens from the Christian Medical and Dental Association welcome back sir.
2: Hey, it's good to be back, Carmen. Good to hear your voice
0: like welcome back in both ways. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the states. <laughs>
2: Uh, it's been great. We've had uh, two international trips since we last got together. One was to North Africa to visit our daughter and her family, who are missionaries there on the edge of the Sahari Desert. So it wasn't the most pleasant place to visit, but the fellowship was wonderful.
0: So we just, in the last segment, talked with um, Dr. Matthew Sleeth, who lives in Kentucky. He wrote a book called Reforesting Faith. So we were talking with him about the Trillion Tree Project. Um, but he was celebrating with us today that his son and daughter-in-law and their grandbabies are, um, are here back in the United States on furlough. They serve as medical missionaries in Kenya. And so uh, we, we apparently have um, now generations of Christians on the program today who are um, really putting their their feet and their families where their faith is in terms of deploying to the least of these around the globe in service of Christ. It's, um, it's a real blessing to know that testimony.
2: Well, we have something in common. We're both from Kentucky, the doctor you mentioned, and I served in Kenya for 11 years. I think that's where our kids really got uh, the impact in their own lives to serve. Our other daughter and her husband have been in in northern Iraq serving there, both of them in medicine. My uh, son-in-law, both son-in-laws are in medicine, one a dentist and one a physician. So medicine is a tremendous way to carry the gospel into difficult-to-access areas because uh, if you get found out, you don't get thrown out, usually. Um, the, the people need you so badly, they will tolerate you, where missionaries going in under teaching English, second language, other type of things can be uh, often asked to leave if they're found out to what they're doing. So it's, it was a great opportunity, and they're just seeing tremendous growth um, you know, with their evangelism and also in church planning, where they're serving with some uh, novel means of sharing the gospel into some of the most difficult areas of that region of the world. So uh, a lot of house churches developing and um, a lot of people coming to Christ, and it's just uh, it was just a blessing to be there. And of course, we had two little grandkids too, which was pretty pretty wonderful. The hardest thing about having missionary kids is uh, being away from them. And uh, but I remember when I was in Kenya, Carmen, my mom and dad would come at least once a year, and Dad would always he was an evangelist, and he would always say when he got to the door exactly the same thing. He says, "I'm here spending your inheritance." i 'm going to enjoy it with you instead of you enjoying it after i 'm gone <laughs> that, and that's kind of our philosophy as well uh take uh, Take our funds and uh, make sure we're there to support encourage and bless them
0: I just uh, you know I know we're going to talk about the coronavirus and other things, but that that you that which you just shared um is probably the substance of what touches the hearts of people. Most intimately, I mean it is hard to imagine the sacrifices that are made by families whose whose sons and daughters and therefore grandchildren serve overseas, um, but we do so because the gospel has no bounds and and god 's desire is that people everywhere might know the help uh, the hope of the gospel and um, and the joy of fellowship restored in Christ with him. so thank you so much for. I know it's strange to say, but the sacrifices that your family is making, because I also know that they're made joyfully and um, and willingly unto the Lord. So thank you for that. Um, let's talk about the coronavirus. Um, what What is, uh, you know, today's latest developments that you think we need to know?
2: Well, this thing is a pan epidemic, and and that is, uh, you know, the, the the bad news. I mean, last night I went to bed, and there were 17,000 reported cases. This morning you wake up, there's 20,000. You start looking at those numbers, and you're seeing 10-15% increase per day in those reported. And we're not getting all the cases by any means. China was very slow to report uh, what was going on. Uh, which helped this thing get even more out of hand, but also uh, there's a lot of people that uh, are not recognized as having this because they have mild cases, but uh, the mortality rate is about two to three percent. That's good news because the other two coronaviruses we've dealt with in the last 20 years, SARS, uh, the Severe Acute Respiratory distress. Distress Syndrome is about 10 percent and MERV, which was the Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, also a coronavirus, uh, was about 30 percent. So this one's got a much less mortality rate as far as we know and based on the information we have. But it's spreading very rapidly. And of course, the vast majority of this is in China. Uh, Think about this, Carmen. They have um, um, cordoned off uh, Wuhan a uh, large city there in that province and uh that city is the size of new york there are no trains going in and out in new york city new, no trains going in and out no planes going in and out f- travels restricted by cars trying to contain this thing so th- this is a, a serious issue um and something that uh the u.s has really i think done a pretty good job responding to to try to keeping it uh, out of our country because once it's here in any numbers, it's extremely hard to control. All
0: right, we're going to continue our conversation with Dr. David Stevens in just a moment. Uh, he's with the Christian Medical and Dental Association. You can find them pretty much everywhere at CMDA. Uh, we will be right back. Continuing my conversation with Dr. David Stevens from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. Okay, Dr. Stevens, we've had a listener who is basically asking um, the comparative question. So I'm hearing that this is just like the flu. Yes or no?
2: Uh, It is in some ways and it's not in others. It's much more severe than normal cases of the flu. and the complication rate is much higher. Uh, the death rate from flu in this country is about 0.1%. And the death rate from this is 25 times higher and it's spreading very quickly. Now we have a lot more flu. Last year, uh, so far this year, actually in 2019 and the 2020 city, uh, season, about 15 to 50 million cases and seven to 10 million doctor's visits and uh, probably 250,000 hospital admissions and uh, eight thousand deaths, up to about twenty thousand, is the estimate from the CDC. So yes, more people have died of the flu, and um, this year already than have died of this. But the thing that's happening with this with increased death rate and how fast it's expanding—that's the concern. Should we be panicking? Absolutely not. Are that you have a chance of getting it? No. There's only eleven cases known in the United States, and we're taking some pretty uh, significant. Uh, protective measures and limiting foreign travel and putting people in isolation that have come back from that part of the world. And I think those are reasonable considering uh, the death rate from this. So we don't need to be panicking and we need to do the same thing to protect ourselves from this as we do for the flu. And that is uh, washing our hands. Uh, When you cough, use a Kleenex or the inside of your elbow. Don't cough it out on other people. Um, you know, stay away from people that are that are seriously sick, or wear a mask when you're around them. Uh, frequent hand washing, uh, those type of things, uh, provide protection for the flu, and it also provides protection for coronavirus. This is different than the flu, though. This this thing actually very interesting started in a open air market in Wuhan. They sell. For want of a better word, exotic meat, uh, animals that most people don't eat, from cola bears to uh, dogs and cats and that type of thing. And we know from the science that this started with bats who probably passed it on to some unknown animal in that market and it came from a single person getting that. Now, interestingly, Carmen, this is very typical, this is very similar to Ebola virus. Ebola, it was carried and is carried in monkeys, what they call bushmeat in Africa, people eating unusual animals and getting these new viruses transmitted to them. The same thing is what's happening in China. It's the same thing that happened with SARS and MERS. One of them came Came from civet cats, kind of a small little wildcat, and uh, the Eastern one came from camels. I was reading that, and I thought, I was in uh, when I was in North Africa, I ate some camel meat. I didn't really think of that one. My son-in-law took me down to a barbecue. We had camels. Pretty good, actually. But uh, this is where some of these things come from and cause problems. What's it doing? It's devastating the economy in China already. Uh, two-thirds of the factories are closed in the province where this is. Uh, stock markets dropped. Uh, this is serious stuff and much more serious than what we're dealing with the flu every year.
0: You know, I think the economic impact is not one that we, um, that we think much about. The other thing that um, I, I think we're not talking much about and, and over time is going to become increase, of increasing concern, we've got 11 million people in in isolation and you and I would both recognize that prolonged periods of isolation are not healthy. And um, their access to electricity, food and water are, are really limited. T- talk with us and sanitation. Like Talk with us about um, what happens when you take a population of 11 million people and you tell them to stay put.
2: Yeah, it's very it's very difficult. I mean, think of think about isolating New York City. I mean, how could you even do that? I mean, well, yeah, people I mean, we get have out. Mov-
0: we have movies They're about that, and none of them are good. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. And so that's one of the reasons spreading across China and other countries, Russia, Singapore, Pakistan, others are saying no people from China can come into our country. They're closing their borders, some of the countries that are around them. North Korea, I mean, South Korea and others are very concerned and are seeing more and more of these cases. So uh, this this is uh, something we need to be in prayer about, not panic about, but be in prayer about. Pray for these people. I mean, you can imagine being there in Wuhan and, and, and with your family and your children, realizing you can't flee this and all the other issues. I got a letter yesterday from... Uh, um, a doctor serving in China and saying, you can't get face masks anywhere. Can, could we help get him face masks and send them to China? In the hospitals in their city, which is not at the epicenter, there are no protective things left. They're all gone. Somebody here in the U.S. asked about, well, maybe I should wear a mask, which you really shouldn't. You don't need to. But if you tried to buy a box of masks now in the United States, it could cost up to $200 for a box of masks because they're in short supply because of what's happening in the world. So a lot of these things have ramifications that are going to impact us. Stock market dropped last week because of corona coronavirus. So These type of things are things we don't panic. We've still got the Lord. He's taking care of us. I've been in the midst of epidemics similar to this and worse than this, one where there was 50 percent mortality I was responding to in in Sudan years ago. So you, you realize you have to trust the Lord. You pray for those affected and you do what you can to make a difference. And that's what God calls us to do, to even put our lives at risk to help others. So let's
0: talk um, about something maybe practical that listeners, that people who are listening right now, um, certainly we want to pray. Are there particular um, organizations that have doctors deployed in China? I mean, you know, like how is there something else that we could practically do? Can we send masks? Like, I don't even know. What, What could we practically do?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm actually just beginning to work on that to talk to some organizations, see if they get them in. China has been very hands off. Uh, the Center for Disease Control has to send a, a team to investigate this, explore it, uh, help develop vaccines and all the rest of it. They turned them down and they said, no, there is a group going from the World Health Organization and there will probably be some CDC uh, personnel on that. But uh, they they have been very hands off. Um, and so we're exploring some ways to see if we can get a hold of these things and get them in. So right now, I don't know of anything except prayer, which is the most important thing, uh, but as things develop, we'll help get the word back out to you and get it out to uh, to your audience.
0: Great. Thank you. Well, we rely on you for, for that. Dr. Stevens, thank you so much. Thank you for what you do every day uh, at the Christian Medical and Dental Association. Let's encourage um, our listeners who are medical professionals of any kind or medical students to visit you online, Uh, give them the web address.
2: CMDA.org, CMDA.org, love for them to go on site, a lot of great resources there and fellowship.
0: Yeah, I love that they get together regionally and they, uh, it's just, it's awesome. Okay, thank you so much, Dr. Stevens. have a great day, God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So really, if you're a medical professional, dental professional, um, student in one of those uh, arenas or pursuing, a life of medicine or dentistry, uh, and you're a Christian, the Christian Medical and Dental Association, these are your people. So connect with them, cmda.org. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, um, we're going to be talking about Patterns of Evidence. It is uh, a movie coming out. It'll be a a short release. It is a follow-on to the Patterns of Evidence, The Moses Controversy. This one is Patterns of Evidence, The Red Sea Miracle. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. So is the Bible true? Are the stories within it true? Is there evidence to support that? And then are there really good media products, in this case movies, to help us not only answer those questions ourselves and prepare us to answer the questions of others, but share the answers in a way that is visually rich and um, archaeologically and historically accurate? Well, yes, indeed. Uh, so next up, we've got an investigative documentary, The Red Sea Miracle. It exposes the intricacies of this long-celebrated Old Testament event. I have got the uh, the films—well, um, he's not just the producer. He's also featured in the film in terms of um, walking about in the evidence in the Middle East related to this. And so uh, Tim Mahoney is up next here to talk about patterns of evidence, Red Sea Miracle. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
1: From the first chapter of Scripture, the Bible makes a case for the dependability of God. This is Max Locato. Without exception, when God spoke, something wonderful happened. By divine fiat, there was light, land, beaches, and creatures. God consulted no advisors. He needed no assistance. For He spoke, and it came to be, He commanded, and it stood firm. The same power is seen in Jesus. He is unchanging. He's never caught off guard by the unexpected. God never changes or casts a shifting shadow. God is strong. He does not over-promise and under-deliver. God is able to do whatever he promises. It is impossible for God to lie. God will keep his promises. It must happen because of who God is. And because God's promises are unbreakable, our hope is unshakable. This is Max Locato.
0: Joining me now, Tim Mahoney, Uh, you can find everything that we're talking about today at PatternsofEvidence.com, PatternsofEvidence.com. Tim, welcome to Mornings with Carmen.
3: Well, thanks for having me on the program.
0: So I was I was reticent to, like, even tell people much about who you are, because I really want you to tell them um, what you've been doing for the last 20 years, which leads us into a conversation about events that you're inviting our listeners to coming up on February the 18th and May the 5th. So what have you been up to for the last 20 years?
3: Well, I'm an investigative filmmaker. I make investigative feature documentary films, and I've been investigating the Bible for 20 years. And when I started on this, Carmen, I, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, and uh, I believed the Bible. And when I went off into the Middle East and started searching for it, I was told that there was no evidence for the events of the Bible, and it led me to a crisis of faith. And,
0: it, and, in, it, and in, instead of just agreeing with those who said there was no evidence, you then sought about to find some.
3: That's exactly right. I came home from my first trip in 2002 from Egypt, and— and I I, I literally uh, had to make a decision. And I think a lot of people are faced with times when they're, the Bible, they have big questions about the Bible and, and about God. And I decided to go after it and, and try to find evidence, and I did. I found a, an amazing pattern of evidence. It took me 12 years to make the first film, and was called Patterns of Evidence, The Exodus. And we uncovered uh, evidence that matched the whole story of Joseph and his family coming into Egypt, you know, being successful and then going into slavery. And then we found the the Exodus, and bo- even in the Egyptian documents. We found the story of the plagues, uh, and then we followed it all the way out to the conquest. And that was the very first film that I worked on.
0: And now um, we fast forward. We've had uh, the Exodus in 2015, the Moses controversy in, in 2019, and this year— um, we are looking forward to the Red Sea miracle. When when we think about the stories in the Bible that that are jaw dropping, um, I mean, I think that when when people even think back to, let's say, the movie The Ten Commandments, there are a few scenes, right, that are sort of seared in the mind. Um, but the but the generation that is, you know, young today and young adult today they don't necessarily have those same memories, and their jaws do not drop in the same way that maybe uh, older generations did. Talk with us about the power of film um, and the approach that you're taking in terms of communicating these truths today.
3: Yes. the uh, Film is pretty much the language of our culture today. People don't read even as much as they do watch images on YouTube and all, all sorts of visual communication. And that was one reason why uh, I've gotten involved with this. I've been able to recreate and take people to a location where the Bible says these events happen. In fact, actually, multiple locations. So, in the next film, Patterns of Evidence, The Red Sea Miracle, what we're doing is we're investigating, we're bringing back to life the story of the Exodus. And you mentioned Cecil B. DeMille. I actually. gotten to know the DeMille family and they're very supportive of the of what we're doing and and Cecil B. DeMille is actually going to be speaking in this film because I've got past footage from that and and we're going to be showing uh the viewers um different possible locations where the sea parted and this film is a huge film it's actually a four-hour investigation and the first part is on February 18th as a one-night-only Fathom event as we talked about and That's the first part of the film. And then after each of my films, there is a panel discussion. And we've got uh, Kay is on the panel, Ken um, Ham, Janet Rudding, and uh, Dr. Jeremy Lyon. And Todd Starnes is going to moderate it. So it's going to be quite an evening. If you've ever been to a Patterns of Evidence film, you know they're filled with uh, huge discoveries. And that's going to happen again with The Red Sea Miracle.
0: So let me just read a little bit from the film synopsis so people can get a little bit of a foretaste of what you're going to be doing. Um, We know that the Red Sea Miracle is certainly one of the greatest miracles of the Bible. Um, But this question about whether or not we should believe it, you know, we've got Moses and the Israelites trapped at the sea by Pharaoh's army. God miraculously parts the waters and the Israelites are rescued um, and Pharaoh's army and his chariots are destroyed. Um, The Bible describes this happening at uh, a a deep and mighty sea, and yet that is not how sort of the the skeptics and the critics of the Bible um, have described this. They have described this as, you know, oh, well, it's really, you know, it's really just like a low point. The tide was out. You know, the people walked across. The tide came back in, you know, Uh, or they just dismiss it altogether. Can you give us a little sense of the evidence that you found to support what the Bible says?
3: (sighs) Well, what we're showing is that uh, the Bible is communicating, whenever it mentions a geographical location of the sea that was written in Hebrew called Yam Suf, it always puts it over at the Gulf of Aqaba, the right arm of the Red Sea. But in the last several hundred years, as you, as you said, is that people are looking at a sea of reeds. We've often heard it called the Sea of Reeds. Well, reeds grow in shallow, marshy lakes. They don't grow in big seas. And so this is the big question between this film. We're investigating... Two different locations, uh, areas. One is called I call it the Egyptian approach, and the Egyptian approach is looking next to the to Egypt at these reedy lakes, and and some of them are very shallow. In other words, three feet to six feet deep. You know, they're not very deep, um, and they believe that wind could naturally blow over time, blow the water away. The other approach looks at the, a sea, a mighty and deep sea, and it says that the, when the Israelites passed through, there were walls of water standing on end, basically, and that's what Cecil B. DeMille did. He showed the Israelites walking through a corridor with water on both sides. And that is the investigation that we're, we're examining. So I'm gonna be looking at about six different crossing sites in, the, in this film. And it, we're gonna uh, basically, is there, we're gonna be showing what people have found in the next, in, in these films. But uh, in the beginning, we're on the hunt for the crossing sites. And we're gonna take uh, people across the desert. And there's things that you're gonna learn about in this film. Uh, what about that pillar of fire uh, and that cloud? Where did that come from, and what does that represent? So those are some of the things, and how many people could have left the Exodus? Because the Bible says it potentially could have been several million. There's 600,000 men, and how do we interpret those words? Or was it just maybe 10,000 people or 20,000 people? And what do these questions, if we ask them, uh, what do they mean about faith and, and who, who is God? Is God a big God, or is he a small God?
0: You know, I wrote down um, migrant flow. When you talk about 10,000 people or 600,000 people or several million people on the move, um, that is not something that would have gone unnoticed and, and, and undocumented. And so when we come back, um, Tim, maybe you can share with us a little bit more about what you discovered. We are talking with Tim Mahoney. We're talking about the Red Sea miracle. It's a part of the Patterns of Evidence series and it's going to be in a theater near you on the 18th of February uh, the first part of it the second part will be uh will, will air on the 5th of May and so when we come back we're going to continue our conversation but you can check it out in the meantime at patterns evidence.com we'll be right back Exodus 12, verse 37 says, and the people of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. In Exodus 14, verse 16, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry land. Um, as we read the scriptures of uh, of the Old Testament, particularly here in the book of Exodus, we uh, we have... History revealed to us by God on high, verifying that and providing well patterns of evidence for it uh, Tim Mahoney uh, and he is here today to discuss his latest film um, and and so Tim talk with us uh, not only about the Red Sea miracle but about this pillar of fire um, right we get we get God instructing instructing the people to follow this pillar of fire by day and this uh, pillar of cloud, oh, cl- pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, um, and it did not depart from before the people. That's from Exodus thirteen. Talk about that.
3: Well, um, when I've talked to, to theologians about this pillar of fire, it was really they would some people say it was the angel of the Lord, or or it really was the Lord that He was guiding them and hovering over them. Actually, it says that at times the pillar would come over the top of them and protect them from the sun, and then it would guide them and be a light to them uh, by, you know, by, by night. And, uh, it would then lead them where they were supposed to go. And so the big question is, is, well, what was that pillar? And was it, you know, supernatural? And some people are saying, well, maybe the pillar was actually, uh, uh actually a volcano, uh, where smoke was coming from a volcano off in the distance. And people could see the, the light of the volcano and the, the cloud was just the, you know, the, Steam coming out of the volcano, leading them, and so every part of this story, as I investigated it with different people, and many of them that I'm talking to are also Christians, uh, but they're trying to find a natural way of explaining it. But there are others that say, no, this is supernatural. This is God revealing Himself to the to the Jewish people, to the Israelites, in a in a spectacular way. In Carmen, it says probably over a hundred times in scriptures throughout the scripture. Uh, It says, do not forget what God did by bringing you out of Egypt. With a mighty hand, he did this. And uh, you asked the question before the break and said, well, what evidence uh, did did you find? You know, well, I like to save some of this for going to the movie, but I'm going to tell you something. When I came back from Egypt the first time in 2002, I had a crisis of faith because I was told by an Egyptologist that there was he had found no evidence for the Israelites. But I went, just in the last two years, I went to Jerusalem, and I met that man again. His name is uh, Manfred Bietek, and he had, he said, exciting new evidence to share. And I'm going to reveal what that evidence is, but it's, it's a, uh, he found a connection with the Israelites in Egypt, and we're going to show you where they lived. Uh, this is the, des- the departure point. And we're we're going to show new evidence. And it was so exciting to actually meet him and talk about this again, uh, because he was the man who sent me out of crisis of faith. And in this film now, he's going to basically affirm the Bible. It's it's just so powerful.
0: Um, just to give people a little point of reference, um, BTEC is uh, or was the director of the Austrian excavations. Um, I'm going to mispronounce the name of the tell. So tell us what the name of the tell is.
3: Yes. Uh uh I want to say El, Tel El Daba. El, da, Tel that's El Daba. right. Daba. Tel, El,
0: yeah. Tel El Daba, uh the yeah. Eastern Nile site. Um and so it's um it's exciting, right, to have evidence um of of a massive Semitic population and um you know and the settlement in which they lived, because that does bear witness to the veracity of the scriptures at this point. You know Moses gives us lots of lots of points of uh, of geography right I mean there are very specific places named, and you take us to those places and you walk us around and um, and you actually help us sort of have the bible on location
3: yes and and why why is it important you know like you we mentioned a lot of young people today don't actually uh uh, they're told that the stories of the Bible are basically, you know, fairy tales. That these, are, And there are people that say, well, they weren't meant to be real. There wasn't really a Jonah and a whale, and there wasn't really a Noah's Ark, and there wasn't really uh, the Exodus, and uh, you know, events. And so what ends up happening is that we, we start to basically uh, not believe some of these things because they sound too fantastic. But Jesus is telling us that there was a Moses and that he wrote, and Moses is the one who wrote the first five books of the Bible. We're told that that didn't happen. So my films are starting at the very beginning, and they're looking for a pattern of evidence and revisiting these events from an forensic, from an archaeological, from a scientific way. And that's what we're seeing is a pattern of evidence, and it's matching and affirming and confirming, in many cases, the biblical events. It's, it's really a powerful approach.
0: All right, so invite our listeners to these two events, one on the 18th of February and one on the 5th of May. Why two parts and uh, and what's the difference?
3: The difference is is that when I started to work on this film, I realized that uh, it was huge. Uh, there's so much, it could probably be three parts. Uh, We've thousands of hours and interviews and, and, uh, and evidence. And so the first part is going to take you on the. it's going to establish a lot of information and, and re- tell the backstory of how we got here. And then we're going to go into the investigation, and there's in our investigations, there's a pattern. So our first pattern is a departure point, a direction. A desert, a detour to a dead end, a deep sea, and a destination. So we've got these parts that are going through here. So we're able to get through the first three or four of these parts uh, in both Hebrew and Egyptian approaches, and that's what we're going to be doing in the first film. And then the second, that's going to be February 18th, one night only, And if you go to PatternsofEvidence.com, PatternsofEvidence.com, you can see a trailer, and you can actually get more information for your church. We're inviting people to—we're getting people bringing their Sunday school classes. Some are inviting the whole church. We've got resources there for people to download and to share with their friends and family. And May 5th, then, will be the conclusion of this investigation. And that's when we'll take you to the deep sea, and then we're going to cover miracles. Are miracles possible? And do miracles still happen today? And guess what? They do. I've got I've got scientific evidence that to, to prove that they do. And so that's what this big investigation is going to be. And if you've got that friends and family, uh, relatives, people at work, or small groups, whatever, bring them to this film because you're going to have a lot to discuss afterwards. And as I said, every film that we have has a panel discussion afterwards to sort of synthesize the information.
0: All right. If between now and... Um and the 18th of February, you want to warm up, you can get The Exodus, which was the Pattern of Evidence film released in 2015. You can go back and get The Moses Controversy, which was the Pattern of Evidence movie released last year in anticipation of The Red Sea Miracle, which is the latest in the Patterns of Evidence film series. And you can check it all out at Patternsofevidence.com. Tim Mahoney, thanks for what you're doing, and thanks for the gift of your time today and these, these great resources. We appreciate it.
3: Thank you, Carmen. Great to be on your program.
0: Well, it's great to have you. All right, friends, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Okay, again, I just love our listeners. Um, we got a listener who who says, "Hey, I got twenty five cases of uh, of masks. I'd love to get them to those people who are on the front lines of those ministries uh, over there in, in in China." So, just hey, you know, thank you, thank you for listening, thank you for responding. Um, uh, we love the, the, the partners that we have in this ministry, and I am sure that through one of the ministries that we are connected with, either through Christian Medical and Dental Association or through MNN, which is the Mission uh, Network, uh, we, we often have Mission Network news here um, on Mondays. You, you will recognize that name. Um, we, we've got friends around the globe, and so um, thank you for those of you who are, uh, who are positively responding, you know, recognizing that, hey... We've got some stuff here in the United States that might be helpful to people elsewhere. So really, really appreciate that. It's been a really fun uh, day today. If you missed any part of the show, Paul Perot will very dutifully post it later today in a podcast form at MyFaithRadio.com. You can always go and you can get it there. And let me just say, if you if you go um, to MyFaithRadio.com and you pull up the podcast, you'll note that you can, you can just listen to the segment of the show or re-listen to the segment of the show that you're most interested in. You can also um, share that with somebody else. So you just copy the link and you send it in an email or a text message or whatever. And then you become a part of sort of the distribution network of this ministry. And we really appreciate that kind of partnership. All right, it's been a full day, uh, a little bit breathless in terms of the headline news. And so I'm going to end where we began, which is just to invite you to take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. God is available, real, and right here. Have a great day, and God bless.